going to be looking in Genesis chapter 42 tonight. Genesis chapter 42, a message I call Sometimes Dreams Come True. We've been looking at uh, a series of messages on Sunday night from Jacob to Israel. Uh, how God took the man named Jake, Jacob, which meant trickster, a, a con man, man who lived by his own wits, and turned him into Israel, a man who had power with God. And not only uh, how it changed him, uh, but also how his family was turned into a nation. We're in that section of Jacob's life where his story interweaves and is intertwined, with the, and in fact is told uh, through the story of his son Joseph. Uh, and uh, dealing with that time when Israel will end up down in Egypt. Uh, their time in the land of Canaan is going to be over for many, many, many years. And uh, so God is working to make them a nation. Let's look in Genesis chapter 42 and verse 6. Uh, before I begin tonight, I do want to say this. I almost forgot. Uh, just the fact that I have two sermons on dreaming today doesn't mean I'm trying to convince you anything about your dreams, okay? Okay. Uh, Yes, there were times in Scripture when God spoke to men through dreams. Today, He speaks to us through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, as He reveals His truth to us. We know uh, this because He's told us that the Word of God uh, provides us with our all-sufficient. We have everything that we need uh, to be what God wants us to do, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's through the Scripture. But we do have some strange dreams sometimes. I dreamed this week that uh, President Donald Trump, and uh, no kidding, President Trump and uh, Chief Justice Roberts uh, came to my house. I don't know how they found me. <laughs> but they showed up at our door, and it was time to cook them something, and Nancy wasn't around, so, you know, my favorite meal is crappie. I said, I hope y'all like filleted crappie, because I'm going to cook some. Uh, Donald Trump looked at me like I had two heads, but... Uh, Chief Justice Roberts turned out to be a country boy, and he uh, said, man, I hadn't had crop in a long time. He said, well, Brother Rich, what did that mean? I don't know. It didn't, that, that's kind of the way my dreams go. I don't know how y'all's dreams go, but uh, sometimes, yes, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews told us this. He said, God, who in various times, various times and in various ways, diverse times and diverse ways, spake in time past by the prophets. God spoke in a lot of ways to the prophets. But now here's the big thing, Hebrews chapter 1, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. You see, Jesus Christ cornered the revelation on God. Everything then that we have today comes to us through the Word of God, Jesus Christ, but here is another one of those dream stories, and uh, it is indeed Joseph. Genesis chapter 42 and verse 6. Uh, now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. And he said to them, you're spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. 
Now, Joseph's story is the story of a dreamer. God gave him great dreams as a young man, and one of them, of course, was a dream of his brothers, in fact, his whole family, coming down and bowing down to him. And uh, even his father, uh, Jacob, rebuked him for that. Uh, he was hated, though, by his brethren. Uh, but God in this was revealing his purposes to Joseph, and that is no small manner. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9, remember, Isaiah said, the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. The end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet come saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Uh, that's God speaking through Isaiah. God is the only one who can declare the end at the beginning. And his counsel shall stand, and his purposes shall be accomplished. Joseph had dreamed of dominion and leadership. But almost by the time that he had finished uh, telling those stories, he was in, uh, in, in Egypt as a slave. He had dreamed of a throne. But almost as soon as he had told that story, he was a slave in the house of Potiphar in Egypt. And quicker than almost you could tell the story, he went from being a slave to being a prisoner falsely accused of assault by Potiphar's wife. Now, God brought men into the prison, Pharaoh's butler and baker, but when the butler was restored, he forgot that Joseph had interpreted his dreams and that he had promised to remember him to Pharaoh, and Joseph languished in prison. Perhaps Joseph had grown up imagining what it was going to be like in his life as the favored son of his shepherd and wealthy father. He had made no bones about it that he was his chosen successor. He had put him in charge of the family. He was the eldest son uh, to Jacob by his beloved wife, Rachel. So perhaps he could see himself as a manager of the family business, enjoying a position then of wealth and favor. Perhaps he dream, uh, the dreams that he received from God were a bit puzzling, but maybe they could fit into that narrative that he saw unfolding. I am, after all, the favored son. I don't think it would be possible for him to have ever imagined how this was going to play out. When he ended up a slave, I can see him very easily saying, I never thought my life would be like this. When he ended up in prison, I can see him saying, I never saw it this way. Maybe tonight you can identify with that. You had a dream of how things were going to turn out in life. Maybe how are you, things were going to go in life. But along the way, boom. And all of a sudden, everything's different. You say, I never saw it like this. I never saw this coming. Dreams and promises that God had made to him as a young man, no doubt over the years, would seem far, far away, almost certain, certainly lost. But then in Genesis chapter 41, we see how that his life takes a remarkable turn for the better uh, because suddenly Pharaoh has had a dream. 
And in that dream, he was seeing those real skinny cows and the really fat cows and trying to figure it all out. And, and all of a sudden, the butler who had forgot him remembered Joseph, and he ends up before him, gives him the interpretation of the dream. And in verse 39 of chapter 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. It's an amazing thing. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. I'm going to sit on the throne, Joseph. You'll be right beside me, and you'll be the one actually who rules the nation. Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. That's a big deal. Big deal. And he, remember, earlier this day, he had been in prison. You do remember that, don't you? Yeah. All right, so uh, immediately, Pharaoh says, time for you to change clothes. Of course it is. So we can see him taking off those orange threads, you know, that, uh, uh, taking all that stuff off. And now he's in garments and fine linen and wearing a gold chain, and he had him ride around in a second chariot. Pharaoh, of course, was the first, and they cried out before him, bow the knee, bow the knee. Quite a day. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was careful throughout all of this to give God all the credit. And he proposed a plan then whereby Pharaoh would store up the increase from the seven good years and then use it during the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh responded then by making Joseph the prime minister. He put him over all of this. Joseph went about then accomplishing exactly what the Lord had told him in the interpretation of the dream. Sure enough, just as God had said, there were seven years of plentiful and abundant crops. Sure enough, just as God said, a severe famine settled upon the land and for seven years there might have been plowing, but there was no harvest for seven years. It's here then where Jacob enters back into the storyline in Genesis chapter 43 and verse 1. And when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Indeed, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Then as the story played out, you'll remember, in perfect obedience in accordance with the word of the Lord to Joseph, sure enough, his brothers came in and bowed down before him. And as soon as Joseph saw them, of course, he recognized them. They didn't recognize him. He remembered the dream that he had. And he immediately came to understand that God was doing exactly what he told him he was going to do. I tell you, we have some of those wonderful spiritual experiences in life when we see God keeping His Word. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I get flat out surprised by it. You ever been surprised? Well, look at there. Man, I prayed, and it worked. Wow. 
I asked God to help me. Well, he's helped. I asked, I claimed that promise, God will supply all your need. He did. Isn't it amazing? Listen, we ought to be astonished when it doesn't work. We need to ask ourselves why it is that we pray and nothing happens. James told us we've asked amiss. Something's not right between me and God because prayer is supposed to work. The Bible gives us that promise over and over again. We need to find out, am I praying selfishly? Am I praying for my will to be done instead of God's will to be done? Well, jo Joseph was speaking harshly to his brothers, but along the way, you'll remember he brought up Benjamin and wanted them to bring Benjamin to him. And Judah, the very one who had proposed uh, selling him into slavery in the first place, will be the one who makes a touching plea for the life of his brother, Benjamin. And in words of great prophetic significance, Judah offered to give his life to save his brother's life. You do remember, of course, Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. <coughs> Judah. Genesis chapter 45 then tells us a story. I just love reading this part, Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone out. Go out. Get out of here. Get up. Empty the place. And of course, everybody left. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. <laughs> I've always wondered what his brothers thought when Joseph said, everybody out. <laughs> Oh, no, this can't be good. And then it went from bad to worse. And, and then he starts crying, verse 2. He wept aloud, and that don't mean he got the sniffles, folk. He was crying aloud. He was weeping copiously. And he wept aloud, and the, so loud that the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it, though they weren't in the room. And Joseph said to his brothers, I... Am Joseph. Does my father still live? Wow. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. Yeah. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. can't help but wonder if they didn't come near kind of like this. <laughs> you go ahead. Oh, you go. Oh, you go. I, I, I don't see them coming boldly to that throne of grace. Do you? Come near to me. And so they came. And then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. You remember, of course, that Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? The truth will set you free. You've gone to Bible school, and you've studied it since Sunday school, so you know how this story is going to play out. But let me remind you that Joseph didn't gloss over what had happened. He spoke the truth to his brother. I am Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. But now... Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. They were only two years into seven years of famine. 
There's still five years in which there'll be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. What amazing insight this man of God has. Not once, not twice, but three times in this passage, face to face with his brothers who sold him into slavery. He told them, this was not you. It was God. God did this. God sent me here. God sent me here, not you. Everything that had happened, he was able to look back on with perfect clarity and see it with amazing spiritual perception. God was at work through all of this to preserve the lives of his people. Joseph's dreams, you see, had come true. Not the way he had expected, but they had come true. And he could look back and see the faithfulness of God everywhere. The great evangelist Ron Dunn, the late evangelist, he's gone on to glory. Died way too young in my estimation, but not God's. He took him. Ron Dunn used to say, you know, when we look out ahead, sometimes we can't see God anywhere. But when we look behind us, we see God everywhere. That's the truth. We can't always see him ahead of us. Sometimes we can't even see him right around us or right beside us. Joseph was looking back with incredible spiritual perception, and he sees God at work. If we can look in the past of our life, and we're sure that we're believers in Christ, and if we can look back over our past and not see God, we need to look again. Because God is faithful. He hasn't stopped being faithful in the New Testament. No, God is faithful. And I believe tonight we can glean some great things in this passage. And the first one is that God does indeed have a purpose in the lives of his people. In Genesis chapter 45 and verse 5, he will say, God sent me before you to preserve life. God had a purpose. Often we quote Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, and I'm going to do it tonight and do it independently of its context. I'll tell you that the context of this passage was about the impending judgment of God on the nation. And in fact, God is going to tell them that these plans that I have are designed to give you a future and a hope. And the implication that he makes to the prophet Jeremiah was unless that nation went down, unless it was conquered by Babylon, it would be totally consumed by its sin. But he said, what I'm doing to you, though it doesn't look like good, it is good because I'm working to preserve you a future and a hope. And what he was talking about was the nation falling and the land being laid desolate, the temple being destroyed, and the people going into captivity for 70 years. But he told them, I want you to know beforehand, I know the plans that I have for you. And my plan is to give you a future 
and hope. Aren't you glad tonight that our God has a plan for our future? And that plan is a plan of hope. To give us hope. But let's uh, learn some valuable information about the relationship between God's purposes and ourselves as individuals. One of the great things we can learn from this story is that God's purpose, we say, well, you know, God's got a purpose. Yeah. Well, God's got a plan. Yeah. But let's understand something. And I think you'll see this as we look at the story. Listen, God's purpose involved Joseph. Okay? But God's purpose was far greater than Joseph. Did you get that? It involved, it included Joseph, yes. But it was far greater than Joseph. You see, God's purpose was not merely to give Joseph a great testimony, although he got a great testimony, no doubt about it. It wasn't just for Joseph to get a warm fuzzy. Oh man, I'm so blessed. No, huh? You see, God's purpose included Joseph, but it was far, far greater than Joseph. It wasn't just to create a rags-to-riches story out of his life. And if we, if we interpret the idea, well, God has a purpose and God has a plan in my life, and if we interpret that to mean that somehow everything's going to be rosy in my life, we interpret that to mean uh, that God is somehow going to make me pleased with everything that happens. Or if we in any way try to reflect upon this as if it has something just to do with everything, you know, just between me and right here, between me and the wall, right behind just me, my family. God's purposes and plans for our life include and involve us. But God's purposes have a purpose beyond us. And he uses us then. He works through us. He gives us the opportunity of being involved in his work. It's exactly what he did to Joseph. God was working to save Israel. How did he do it? He used Joseph to do it. You see that? Does that make God unjust? Absolutely not. Would Joseph say that? Ask Joseph. Did Joseph, did he ever once say, well, God's been mean to me? You don't find that anywhere in the story at all. In fact, he was rather thrilled with the fact that God had sent him ahead. And though he had gone through some difficult times, it had all worked out to save his family. The nation of Israel would be formed in Egypt and be formed in bondage, and yet God would bring them out of that bondage through the blood of the Lamb. God would be keeping his promise to Israel that in them all the nations of the world should be blessed. You see, God is declaring the end from the beginning because he's established a nation through which the Messiah would come. Next time you find yourself looking around saying, well, I never thought it's going to turn up like this. Consider the story of Joseph. The story of even beyond that, the story of Jacob and how Jacob's story is told through his son, Joseph. So that Jacob becomes a nation, Israel, and that nation then is formed in Egypt. So number one, God has a purpose. Yes, 
And that purpose, though it includes us, is far greater than us. Second thing we can learn from this story is, and I hope this is obvious, but uh, nevertheless we'll state it, uh, we cannot accomplish those purposes on our own. And God doesn't expect us to. We cannot accomplish those purposes on our own, and God never intended us to. He said in verse 8, and we'll see it again, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says the same thing. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now Joseph was a shepherd boy in a clan of shepherds, and every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptian. What's that mean? It means the Egyptians didn't like shepherds at all. I want you to stop and think with me tonight of how this pampered shepherd's son could become the ruler over all Egypt. How is that going to happen? If he started planning, how would he ever come up with a workable plan? He could take all the courses in political science that he wanted to, but that's not going to help him get voted in to the position of prime minister of the nation of Egypt. It's not going to happen. He could learn leadership techniques and become a polished motivational speaker and hope then that he could somehow climb the ladder of success. But in the desert country he lived in, there was nobody to hear him talk but sheep. That's not going to work. The most successful shepherd there's ever been is still a shepherd. What could Joseph do to become the Lord of all of Egypt? It's only one thing. Be faithful to God. No matter where life took him and no matter what happened, be faithful to God. This was not a purpose that Joseph was left to figure out on his own. But of course, he couldn't stay in the family. He couldn't stay attending the sheep. He could not uh, continue to uh, grow up uh, by the side of his father with his coat of many colors on. and He would have never, if he'd have done that, gone anywhere outside the sphere of his family. Simon Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now let me be quick to say something because we've got some young folks in the house. I want you to listen. When I talk about how that Joseph could not go out and take a course in political science and become the ruler over all of Egypt, I'm not telling you that education is not important. You get all the education you can. When I tell you that he couldn't uh, become a great speaker and, and motivate his way or get elected to the position because they weren't having an election and he wasn't running for the office, that doesn't mean that you can't uh, devote yourself and try to improve yourself and become a good communicator. You need all of those things. But at the end, it all comes down to are we willing to humble ourselves, as Simon Peter says, under the mighty hand of God? And what Peter's talking about and what Joseph lived out was that it's important, it is essential to us that we are faithful to God wherever we are. We honor Him. We glorify Him. We serve Him. We humble ourselves under His mighty hand and He will exalt you in due time. What a great, great passage. 
You see, all of us one day are going to stand before Almighty God, and He is not going to be asking us how well we did in our corporate situation. But He will be concerned in asking us about how well we served Him. Do you see the difference? That doesn't mean that we don't strive in all of our corporateness and all of our work effort. doesn't mean that. It just means that we see an overarching purpose over all of our life. And that purpose is the purpose and plan of God. So that wherever we go, when God opens a door for us to get a job at this place, we'd have to say, we pray about it, we think this is God's leadership, then we accept it that way. I'm going here because God has led me here. And we walk around there every day looking for those doors of opportunity that God is going to open for us. Don't be disappointed if it don't happen the first week, guys. How long? <laughs> How long was Joseph in prison? How long was he a slave in Egypt? How many years went by before he saw? He just kept on being faithful. Kept on being faithful. Serving God. He served God when he was a slave to Potiphar. He served God when he was in prison, falsely accused. When he was elevated to be uh, the right-hand man of the king, wearing the king's signet ring, he was still faithful to God. Went right on serving the Lord. Learned then that God does have a purpose and that that purpose is not up to us to fulfill and God didn't expect us to. And then lastly, as we go through these things, then we can experience God's healing. Uh, chapter, uh, chapter 41 and verse 50 of Genesis says this, And to Joseph were born two sons. Now, I showed you that passage last week because Jacob was going to essentially adopt those two sons of his own. And when you read this passage, you might understand why. To Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. That's in the seven years of plenty. Now that means that the oldest these two boys could have been when they met their grandpa, Jacob, was about 14. So they hadn't grown too far in life when Jacob said, your two boys are going to be mine. To Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. The word Manasseh means forgetfulness. In the name of the second, he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Ephraim means fruitfulness. Have you gone long far enough in your spiritual life to know that forgetfulness and fruitfulness are special blessings that God brings to His people. We struggle with things all the time. I, there's no telling how many of God's people I've heard over the years say, well, you know, I can forgive, but I can't forget. Joseph didn't forget what had happened. He speaks the truth of that directly to his brother. The forgetfulness that he describes then, that is a blessing from God, and the forgetfulness that God then offers to us is the ability, listen, to remember things against people no more. 
That's what God says to us. I will blot out your iniquities, he says, and I will remember them against you no more. I don't think that means that God forgets them. It means he doesn't, I just take it to mean what he says it means. I'll remember them against you no more. When God forgives us then of something, we can be confident that we're not going to get up to heaven and then God's going to bring that up to us again. <laughs> oh man, you remember when you did so and so? Well, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for it. Yeah, I did, but God's not like that. We are. We are. But aren't you glad that interwoven into the story of Joseph is the story of forgetfulness? He acknowledged the truth. You sold me into slavery. But he did not remember it against his brothers. He didn't retaliate. He could have made them all slaves. You see that? A sweep of his hand and their heads would have been on the floor. Been a time or two in your life and mine, maybe, when that thought just kind of briefly passed through your head. Man, wouldn't it be great? Just cut them down. No, it wouldn't. Forgetfulness. But it wasn't just that, it was also fruitfulness. Because though God had led him through this winding road of his, through the years, Joseph weeping and telling his weeping brothers, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you, the fruit that he had brought salvation into his life. I'm not sure tonight, but it's a possibility. I'll just mention this as a possibility, not as an authoritative statement just as a possibility that maybe if you and I as God's people would practice forgiveness a little bit better, maybe the world, the lost people of the world would be more impressed with the whole concept of forgiveness. And maybe some of the reason why they struggle so much in accepting God's forgiveness is they see so, lot of it, so little of it demonstrated. Isn't that what Jesus told us to do? Forgive one another as what? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We put the forgiveness of God on display to a watching world. How good are we doing it? We understand why forgiveness is so important. We'll wrap up tonight with one of my favorite, a couple of my favorite passages of Scripture. Psalm 30 and 5 says, His anger is but for a moment, His favor is for life. Oh, I love that. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. See, God has promised His people a very special day, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, but the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. God has an Ephraim and a Manasseh in all of our future. Forgetfulness. Former things passed away. Fruitfulness. 
the fruit of our praise and worship of God for all eternity. Imagine a day when your dream comes true, when God's purposes are fulfilled in your life, when your sorrow is turned into rejoicing and your suffering is turned into a fruitfulness. Imagine a day so glorious that it'll make you forget all the bitterness that you had to go through to get there. Listen, that day is going to come. That day will come. God has promised it and it will be done. Behold, I make all things new, God said. And write it down. Because these words are true and faithful. God has sent us beforehand. You intended this for evil. But God meant it for good. You and I may be like Joseph when we may get to see us down here. But most of us are going to be standing on streets that are paved with solid gold before we see that play out. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. And we enjoy that great time of forgetfulness when the former things are passed away. And behold, I make all things new. Joseph, God meant it for good. Believers can claim that promise. But tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what I've been talking about is foreign language to you. God meant it for good. Maybe tonight, you know, you don't know Jesus Christ. You might sit there thinking, man, Joseph... Had his brothers right there before him. He could at least got out a big old razor strap and, and flogged them a little bit. You know, I, I believe I'd have thumped them somehow before I'd have. And some of y'all didn't have brothers, I can tell. I mean, I, I have no, man. Remember, they were all older too. Remember? You do remember that. Except for Benjamin, he had never had. See, this whole message is designed around those who have a relationship with God and those who know Him as your Savior. Do you know Him tonight? Joseph was a type of Christ in many ways in the Old Testament. I could preach a whole sermon just on all the ways that Joseph was a type of Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing how many things about Joseph's life were pictures of Jesus Christ and what He does for us. I wonder tonight, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you something. He left the throne of glory. He came to this earth, was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death, and he gives out a simple promise, whosoever shall believe on me should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you believed on Jesus Christ? God has a purpose in your life. It's not up to you to fulfill it. And I'll tell you, his number one purpose is that you be saved. Come to know Jesus Christ. Whosoever believeth on me, trust him, has everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You can experience that for yourself tonight. Let's stand together.